You're listening to What the Folklore, making sense of senseless tales. Episode 30! It's a new number in front. Ooh. It's significant. I didn't realize we were there already. Yeah, it signifies that we have done this about 30 times. There are 29 <laughs> stories in my brain. <laughs> that <laughs> don't have to be. <laughs> that that, that don't I shouldn't want know. To be. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be ha- like, shouldn't have to think about every day. I should remember more U.S. history than I do. <laughs> but now I remember these stories instead. Holly Smoot Terrafact. Hans my hedgehog. 1832. What? Still got that. <laughs> I don't. It. It's U.S. history. I don't, but I've had to read a lot more of these than I have shared with you guys so far. That's true. So there are, there are more rattling around in my head. There's There are six months worth of Irish tales alone rattling around in my head. God help you. There's no more help. <laughs> I'm beyond help now. Yes. And all I can do is transfer these to you guys to help bear the burden in my skull. The show is slowly going to get darker and darker until it's just like crazy rantings and scribblings. <laughs> I think we're already on that path. Pretty. <laughs> Somehow all of our Facebook updates will be translated into backward scrawl and crayon <laughs> and, the, and odd symbols. The red rum script. Yeah. No one will know how or why, including us. If this were a roller coaster, we would be about to plummet off of the first big drop, I think. Oh, oh yeah. you are correct, because I, <laughs> I could not hold on to the Madame Dolnois story, mostly because it took me twice as long to note as other stories. First, who are you? Oh, then I guess we could do that. <laughs> well, I'm Carmen. I'm Tyler. I'm Gordy. And we have a treat for you today. Together... We, we form we form this podcast that you're listening to. What the folklore, which I keep trying to skip ahead of to actually do the podcast part. <laughs> yeah, you know what's going on. Hopefully. Well, I mean, it's 30 episodes in. I mean, unless, every, everyone knows who we are now. Unless you're new. And if you are new, this is what you're about to hear. Apparently you picked a doozy to start. <laughs> We're sorry yeah, in this is a good. Apparently this is a good jumping in point. But we... Uh, take weird, crazy fairy tales that don't make a ton of sense, and we read them, or Carmen reads them to Tyler and I, and we spend like an hour just trying to puzzle it out and put all the pieces together and see how we can make it make sense. These aren't your Disney tales. Like a modern T.H. White. Yeah, people say that they wish life was more like a fairy tale. We have a, about 30 episodes worth of proof that you do not want that. <laughs> you do not know of what you speak. That is not an ideal situation. <laughs> Take heed, children. Disney's lied to you. <laughs> D- Dalnois wants your soul. Alright, so we have visited Madame Dalnois mm-hmm. uh, in the past. She was our inaugural episode. A name that makes me shudder to this day. Uh, that will live in infamy. She is responsible for... The Wonderful Sheep, which was our first episode, and Felicia and the Pot of Pinks, which was... Five. Number five, yes. Number five. So we, we gave her a rest for a while, though I do have a fair number of Del Noir stories. Maybe we shouldn't have. She sounds angry. She is. She's coming back with a vengeance. Are we appeasing her ghost? <laughs> Someone has to. Is that what we're doing on this show? <laughs> I have a weird feeling we're just resolving her life business for her. <laughs> Among our many other talents, that's one of them. <laughs> Ghost wranglers. <laughs> Ghost appeasal. <laughs> well, I was going through uh, Andrew Long's Blue Fairy book, and I was just trying to note these stories in order, but this one tripped me up so hard that I wasn't able to get past it. Uh, I am hopeful and afraid that this is not her masterpiece because i would like to see crazier but also i would not like to see crazier because this is an opus you sound like icarus right now (laughs) (laughs) flying too close to the sun yeah you're gonna get closer and closer (laughs) until there's nothing more of you 
My greatest fear with this podcast is that we're going to find the definitively batshittiest fairy tale too early. I don't think that's possible. I'm not sure that it is either. This one might be close. I'm sure there's insanity yet unplumbed. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, What is this one called? This is called The Yellow Dwarf. To my knowledge, mm-hmm. it doesn't have an Arn Thompson type because it has so many Arn Thompson types. It is the Arn Thompson system. <laughs> Basically, yes. It is oh. the Ur Thompson. I started going the what? through the Ur Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> All Arn Thompson types are derived from this story. I started going through and trying to to pinpoint other stories that this borrows from, and I got to like the fifth fairy tale. That it borrows think, from? Yeah, I think you should reverse that statement. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure she just read a bunch of fairy tales and was like, you know, these were all great individually. What if I put them together? That's what I mean. She is borrowing from them. They're not borrowing from her. Yeah, this borrows from oh, okay. those. So you're telling me this is her Finnegan's Wake. It's more or less <laughs> and about that long. <laughs> great. And from what you're saying, about that much sense-making... <clears throat> So, as you know, as a fun side game for you, the listeners, including the two of you who have not heard this before, um, try and identify bits of other fairy tales as we go along in this one. <laughs> it's the greatest hits of this fairy is, tales. This is like a mosaic okay. made out of the shattered remains. Is this a clip show <laughs> of other fairy tales? This is the Super Smash Brothers of fairy tales. <laughs> okay. Well, let's dive in. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a queen who had once been the mother of a great many children, but only one was left. Oof. It's a hell of a cold open. (laughs) One daughter. one daughter amongst these many corpses. I don't know how many is a great many children for a queen to have. I'm picturing several dozen at least. Yeah, we're talking Duggar levels of children. (laughs) I also don't know where the king factors in. Because it's down to just the queen and this daughter. Wow. That's all that's left of their lineage. Out of this huge family. Uh, but her mother felt that she was worth at least a thousand children. Okay. So On... They, that's the exchange like, rate. Like a black market? <laughs> <laughs> and so the queen spoiled the crap out of this last daughter. Which you might do if you had, like, birthed... I... Uh, yeah, 24 children and only one survived. If it was literally your only family left, sure. And so in the process of spoiling her, uh, she helped the, the daughter believe that nothing was too good for her. Good example to set for any child. Uh, she was dressed in the prettiest frocks, uh, usually as a fairy, okay. or, or as a queen going out to hunt with attendants following dressed as forest fairies. Those are her two outfits. They're labeled on the wall as such. <laughs> fairy or queen. And the queen one is specifically for going out on the town, and they also have costumes for just everyone that follows her around. Yes. So they're basically recreating a Midsummer Night's Dream every time she goes for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) To make her even more vain, the queen had all the cleverest painters in the land come and do her portrait of her. And um, they sent out this portrait to a bunch of neighboring kings. This is their their Christmas card. Essentially... (laughs) But for just a random day of the year. This is the, I have one cool daughter. (laughs) This is their Christmas card slash Tinder. (laughs) Ew. Ew. Oh, boy. This picture's worth... That's not appropriate. A thousand (laughs) pictures of other girls. Yeah. That would be... You think that's how they did it? In, is that like medieval Tinder? Like they, somebody mails you a portrait and you either, <laughs> just, like, either just like send it on to somebody else or you keep it? <laughs> swipe left onto a barge to the next kingdom. <laughs> swipe right into your into treasure your room. vault. <laughs> That's made extra creepy that you just, I guess, get to keep like all these portraits of strange women to just look at forever yeah. you can have a gallery that's basically your okay cupid favorites or whatever <laughs> well the kings who received the portrait all fell in love with it and with her via the portrait simultaneously these had different effects depending on the king who fell in love uh one king became very ill 
one king went crazy. <laughs> it's super effective. And a few of the luckiest were able to keep their shit together for long enough to set off to find her immediately. Did, did this portrait have, like, was she, did she have, like, a tentacle face? It was basically, <laughs> the portrait was basically the ring. It was, was non-Euclidean <laughs> in nature and came with a strange carved figure. <laughs> Markings in a language no one could understand. So these kings who were lucky enough to to keep enough of their marbles to go hunt her down, so but not enough to stay and like rule their kingdom. So that's your best case scenario: is you are you are driven to seek her immediately. <laughs> You're driven to hunt. Um, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> well, as soon as they landed in her her court, they became her slaves, basically upon sight. Legally. They they were just so enthralled by her that they enslaved themselves, essentially. She didn't see them and go, hmm, you belong to me now. They were just so in love with her that they see mm. her and they... They put balls and chains around their own feet. Yeah, they are essentially belonging I'm, to her at this point. I'm going to go ahead and throw a thought out there. Okay. Uh, is this a fictional autobiography? <laughs> Is this on a, her part, Madame Delnois' self-insertion. Yes, <laughs> fanfic. Is, is this what she wished her life was like? Um, well, considering how many fairy tales she borrows from to create this story, this is like the major mashup uh, fanfic <laughs> with this Mary Sue who's like who's living simultaneously at Hogwarts with Edward Cullen and Harry Potter and. Uh, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. And every king. So 20 kings made it to her court without losing their minds or getting sick. And they're all just hanging out, doing her bidding. No longer to... being kings. Right. They they have the crowns and stuff, but they're not doing the job. Gotcha. Um, so now there's just 20 viziers being evil in their, in their countries <laughs> per contract. <laughs> so they're trying to win her over, and they would often spend great sums of money on one piece of entertainment for her and would consider themselves extraordinarily lucky if she gave them so much as a that's pretty in response so that's how gorgeous madame del i mean this princess is so this is literally just a real life dating site more or less yeah throwing those messages at her hoping like hell she'll respond so the queen's pretty stoked that everyone admires her daughter so much. Every day, in addition to these 20 kings doing their thing at the court, they're receiving seven or 8,000 sonnets a day. From who exactly? Other kings, I guess. <laughs> and or maybe people in the courts who saw her portrait when the king got it. I hope that some of them are doubling up because I didn't know there were that many people who knew how to or would want to write a sonnet. Maybe they commission, like, they have poets that are just exhausted, but super rich now, because we've had so many commissioned sonnets. Because the sonnet market just boomed. <laughs> right. She's, <clears throat> she's creating... making a pretty penny right now. Right. She's creating jobs and stimulating economies and kingdoms <laughs> she, around the world. She is a job creator, as long as you're a sonnet writer. Right. <laughs> it's a good or, market. An elegy, madrigal, or songwriter, because they received as many of those as they did sonnets daily. Oh, okay. Um, and now we get her name, which is Bellissima. Bellissima. And uh, upon receiving all these sonnets, they made bonfires of most of them because they burned a lot prettier than wood. So that's how this kingdom's operating right now. Well, one day Bellissima turns 15. This is just a scam, so they don't have to use their villagers to go out and chop wood. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're <laughs> running a big multi-kingdom grift. <laughs> Doing like a food rush so they can get to the castle age. They're getting uh, they're getting taxes from all the viziers who are now in power because the kings are either crazy sick or at Bellissima's house. <laughs> at this house party. Yeah, it's been a big scheme this whole time. I don't remember this mechanic in Age of Empires. Well, she's... <laughs> just a, there should have been. Just invite all the kings over for a party. And lock the doors. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's now 15, so now she's legal. Yeah. She's marrying age, yep. And everyone wanted to marry her, obviously. They didn't really make it a secret beforehand. <laughs> but they're all afraid to say that they want to marry her because they know that each other prince, and themselves, would cut off his own head five or six times a day to please her. 
but she would have just thought it a trifle at this point. No, no one wants to open the floodgates. Right. What about a seventh time? Seventh time might that do turn it. her head. <laughs> she might be like, "Oh, that's impressive." So the queen obviously wants her to get married because that's the best outcome for for a princess. Yeah. Um, so all they're good for. She's not sure what to do about the little problem of the princess being so inundated with constant entertainment and flattery that it doesn't mean anything to her anymore. Good job parenting. And so she asks her to pretty please marry one of the kings and stop being so proud. Which is a good way to fix however many years of constant flattery. Just marry someone. At an impressionable age. Parents are pushovers. Because when you're 12, 13, 14, all the years leading up to 15 but post-puberty, your brain is not functioning properly. And so if you're just fed an endless stream of entertainment and flattery at that point... This woman was beepered. (laughs) (laughs) Beepered from birth. That's what you're saying. Yes. But she just wants to have fun and doesn't want to get married right now. So the queen is pretty pissed at this. And so she's going to be really mad if the princess falls in love with anyone who's not worthy of her. And all of these princes here are pretty rad, so you've got a good selection. But the princess doesn't think any of them are good enough for how awesome she obviously is, having spent the last decade of her life being told how awesome she is. Um, So now the queen begins regretting some of her earlier parenting decisions. And the solution to this is to go visit a witch called the Fairy of the Desert. She lives under the ocean. She is guarded by lions. How many? Enough. (laughs) Enough for whatever. (laughs) Thanks, Delmois. But luckily the queen had heard a long time ago that if she throws them a cake made of millet flour sugar candy, and crocodile eggs, they'll chill out and not bother her. Yep. It's their favorite food. Yep. <laughs> lions love that shit. Like, just <laughs> like, like lions do. Those are the three major food groups for lions. <laughs> so she gets together millet flour, sugar candy, and crocodile eggs and does some baking by hand. So no one else touches this for putting in a basket and heading out. But she is royalty. And she has left her royalty playpen. She's we not, don't know what that means. She's not accustomed to walking very far, says Tilnois. So, <clears throat> so she like falls over outside the, the gate. <laughs> well, she goes to take a I'm nap. Tired. She takes a nap under a tree. And when she wakes up, the cake is gone. Lions. And she hears the lions, Road lions. in the distance. <laughs> so she starts panicking and crying. And she's afraid to leave the underneath of the tree. But she doesn't have a cake, and she doesn't know what to do. This is definitely the end of her. Yes. When she hears a throat clearing. <clears throat> so she looks up into the tree and sees a tiny man eating oranges. Is it an orange tree? Or I'm... did he just bring those with him? I think it's an orange tree. <laughs> I think it's an orange tree outside of a desert, which is, you know, biologically correct. I mean... 100%. Oranges yeah. don't need a lot of water. It's fairy town. So the man eating oranges looks down at her and says, I know you very well, and how afraid you are of the lions. It's a cool opening line. (laughs) Man I've never seen before. (laughs) It's pretty wise of you to be afraid of them, as they've eaten a lot of people. They are lions. (laughs) That's what they do. And what can you expect without a cake to save yourself? So the queen replies, I must steal myself for death. (laughs) There's no hope. Like Nothing a... I can do. <laughs> you interrupted my stealing. <laughs> She's just given up. And she said, it wouldn't be so bad if I were to die if my daughter would just get married. Which is kind of a stereotypical mother response to any <laughs> situation. Although usually directed at the daughter for a guilt trip. Right. And the man springs up and says, oh, you have a daughter. I like those. That's good news. I need a wife. If you promise her to me, I'll make sure the lions don't get you. And she hesitates, because he's like a weird little man in a tree that she just met. <laughs> he has not provided credentials right. of any kind. He doesn't even have a king hat on. No, he just has oranges. Which is not and observational nothing. skills. That's better than nothing. Um, so he takes the moment of hesitation to remind her how fun being eaten by lions will not be for her. Like, that's going to suck for you, so maybe weigh that in on this decision of yours. 
Also, they're on their way right now. Well, she sees them. Each lion has two heads, eight feet, and bright red skin as mm, hard as turtle mm, shells. Mm, not lions. I, I, <laughs> she, yeah, she may have picked the wrong animal there. I don't know what... <laughs> so I'm not sure if she's ever seen lions. I don't no. know what Dolnois' um, expertise in fauna in general is, but Those that's are at wrong. least chimeras. So she, she takes one look at these kind of lions and figures that this this guy can't be that bad a son-in-law to have. <laughs> so she promises her daughter, and the dwarf takes a moment to consider this and says, well, she's pretty hot, but I don't really want to marry her. You can keep her. The queen now begs... <laughs> should, I, should I give you a moment to gather that thought? What is your game, orange man? <laughs> what, what are you... What? Uh... It's a quick about face. <laughs> Why are you in this tree, orange man? Why are you anything? Well, the queen now begs him to take her daughter. And says that she's the most charming princess in the world. And he sighs and says, out of charity, I'll take her. But don't forget she's mine. Then a door opens in the trunk of a tree, and the queen gets in just in time to avoid the death by lion. While she's in there, she sees another door in the tree, and she opens it and finds a field full of thistles and nettles, just surrounded by a muddy ditch. And in the middle of this is a tiny thatched cottage, where the yellow dwarf comes out. This is the man that she met. I had a feeling. Comes out in a yellow coat, wood shoes... No hair and very long ears. Was he not that before? I'm not sure. He's just cloaked in shadow before. <laughs> Dripping orange juice. <laughs> he just had oranges all over him. So he says, since you're going to be my mother-in-law, I might as well wa- welcome you to your daughter's future home. It's a dump. So wait, is, is he the fairy? He's the yellow dwarf. It just but, said. But he is not also the fairy. She didn't even make it down the road. <laughs> yeah, she made she's it. Not, she's she not made it to too... a tree. She hasn't made it past the lions. She did not at any point step into a desert. Okay. Um, just, cla- just clarifying. She could spit on her castle from here. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long walk for her. Uh, the yellow dwarf goes... <laughs> she, she made it to the mailbox, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, time for a nap. So what kind of a country do they live in? Where this is immediately a threat. <laughs> Just roving yeah, mutant like, lions. Like right over the drawbridge. Uh, so he goes through the benefits of her daughter's future home. Uh, she can feed... <laughs> no lions. She'll she'll have a donkey she can ride whenever she wants. She's Ooh. pretty generous. And she can feed it on the thistles and nettles. Uh, no weather will get to her under the thatched roof of his cottage. And she can drink plenty of water from the brook, and the frogs get really fat here, so she'll have lots to eat. As long as she likes eating fat frogs. <laughs> and also, I'll be there the whole time, closer to her than her own shadow. Immediately behind <laughs> her, all the time. Interesting wedding vow. <laughs> <laughs> so the queen is... I'm going to cling to you like dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Take this orange reel, orange peel ring around your finger. You are mine. I will never be more than a pace apart for the rest of your life. The air you breathe will be my breath coming out of my face. So the queen is so upset by this whole situation. Shitty turn of events. That she just falls down insensible. Just faints right away. Okay. And when she wakes up, she's in her own bed. Wearing, wearing the loveliest nightcap she'd ever seen. And she would think it was a dream, except that this nightcap didn't exist beforehand. So she knows it wasn't a dream. Though really, That's if, you're, card. if you're gonna weigh, like, you met a crazy tree dwarf <laughs> and sold your daughter to avoid getting eaten by mutant lions, <laughs> like, that, that, how does that stack up against, I can't account for this nightcap <laughs> earlier? <laughs> It's like eternal sunshine one... in the spot of the spotless mind where he wakes up in the strange pajamas. It's like, what? I was going to say the Santa Claus, where Tim Allen wakes up in strange pajamas uh, that prove that he's Santa. Yes. Knowing now what she's done to her beautiful daughter, she is very depressed. She didn't really set her up for success in the first place. <laughs> Let's just, like, recap the queen's parenting skills for a second. Uh-huh. 
She has lost untold numbers of children. We don't know to what extent she is responsible <laughs> for their death and or abandonment. I was going to say, I don't know if you can count miscarriage against someone's parenting skills. Uh, she had been the mother of a great many children. Like I'm pretty sure this implies that she... So they were born. Finished the birthing process and raised them to some extent. <laughs> so how old is she? Uh, 20. She started when she was 15. Yeah. So, and who knows how many twins were mixed up in that. There's only one daughter left remaining, which yeah. means the others existed to a capacity that she would have been the survivor of this huge family. Sure. King is missing, too. We mm-hmm. don't know what responsibility she has for that. We do did, know... Did it say at the beginning that these children died? Maybe Dad just took them all with him in the divorce. <laughs> You're a completely irresponsible parent, so... You can have this one. You already ruined her. <laughs> Once upon a time, there lived a queen who had been the mother of a great many children, and of them all, only one daughter was left. Yeah, so I'm going to say that they they just skipped town. All right, well, she either drove them off... <laughs> Or watched each of them die. Or a mixture of the two. Yeah. She lost a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. She's only retained one. Yeah, sure. So that's strike one against her as a mom. Or strikes one through 30. However many kids there are. <laughs> so we're going by T-ball rules. Where you get a few more strikes in there before you're out. Yeah. <laughs> then she takes the remaining daughter and allows her to be raised in the company of 20 men who are so horny for her they abandon their kingdoms for this underage girl because she only turned 15 toward the end of this thinks oh that's cool it's pretty neat how everyone likes her let's burn these sonnets for warmth (laughs) (laughs) she has spoiled this child and in the process of doing so has left more than 20 kingdoms Without Rift. their governing body. Like, has upended the the royal... That is out of the purview of parentage, though. Stay on topic. I'm just saying, a consequence of her bad parenting is that there are now 20 kingdoms bereft of a king. And more kingdoms bereft of a, a healthy and mentally able king. <laughs> That's true. Those still have kings. She... They're just nuts. <laughs> She has... That might be better. That sounds like a fun kingdom. <laughs> but she has... It's like King Boomy. <laughs> she has disrupted or destroyed more than 20 kingdoms in the course of her bad parenting. Sure. And now has given her daughter to a strange man in the process of seeking advice from a woman who chooses to live in the desert surrounded by mutant lions that eat cake. Yeah, this this queen gets Mother of the Year at the Razzies. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where we stand on her credentials as a parent. So she's depressed. Because she's this is the last straw. But has a new nightcap. She does have a pretty sweet nightcap, so she shouldn't be that depressed. Um, the princess is worried to see her mother wandering around so upset, but her mom's not going to tell her what's going on. Yeah, There's no heads up, you're betrothed to... <laughs> To a man who dresses in yellow. (laughs) She'll find out one day. To a small tree man. (laughs) He likes oranges. You'll have lots of vitamin C. Yeah. Hope you like frog legs. And jaundice. (laughs) The princess often asked her mother what was wrong, but since the mother apparently didn't tell her anything, the princess decides it's time for her to go seek out the fairy of the desert. (laughs) Who is? Let's try this again. Yeah, the Fairy of the Desert is the advice column of this this Fairyland newspaper, or the Ask Cleo. <laughs> Dear Desert Fairy, why mom sad? <laughs> and she figures while she's there already asking about why her mom's so sad, she might as well also ask if it's worth being married at all. <laughs> yeah, while she's there. <laughs> What's the skinny on this marriage deal? <laughs> So she's also heard the cake thing, and so she makes her own cake, pretends to go to bed, and then sneaks out her window. Cake in tow. She finds the orange tree, and she decides, I like oranges, I'm gonna pick some of these. So she sets her basket down for a moment, and chooses a bunch of oranges, and starts eating them. And once she's had her fill, she finds that her basket has disappeared. These lions are sneaky. (laughs) 
and she's very upset about this, when the yellow dwarf shows up and asks what's wrong. And the princess explains, my mom is sad, so I have to ask a stranger about it. (laughs) And I brought a cake to fight off the cake-eating lion monsters that this stranger surrounds her home with. But... (laughs) And I also was going to ask about the marriage while I was there, but now my cake is gone and I'm not going to ask any questions and instead be eaten by lions. And the dwarf said, I am just as wise as the fairy of the desert. You don't need her. (laughs) I can answer your questions. This guy strikes me as the Saul Goodman of fairies. (laughs) Just living in the tree. I guess you haven't seen Breaking Bad. No. Oh. Anyway. The, pe- the people will get it, I hope. <laughs> Probably. I hear that was a popular show. So the dwarf says, Number one, your mom is sad because she's promised you to marry me. Number two, <laughs> that neatly ties up your marriage question. Straight shooter. like this guy. <laughs> I, think, I think that invalidates her marriage question. It doesn't right. matter if it's worth it or not. It's <laughs> happening. It's done. The it's prince- kind of a way to... Great way to start, though, is like, why is your mom depressed? Because you're going to marry me. (laughs) (laughs) The princess is horrified by this, and he says, hey, hey now, it's not like I want to marry you. But look, here are the lions coming. And so, you know, you got an out. (laughs) (laughs) Save us all. And the princess is very upset that all her happy days are going to end eaten by lions. So way to go. So the dwarf begins to laugh at her and says, At least you'll die unmarried like you wanted. You would surely prefer to die than to marry a dwarf like me. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. So the princess is now begging for forgiveness and said, I will marry all the dwarves in the world before I die this whoa, whoa, way. Whoa, that's not what I said. <laughs> Calm down, lady. I will be a dwarf polygamist before I get eaten by lions. Please save me right this minute or I will die of terror. And then she just faints. Wasn't kidding. Nope. Glad she got that last bit out before she fainted. Uh, Like her mother, she wakes up in her own bed. But she's now dressed in lace and ribbons. lingerie. Yes. Very nice lingerie. And there is a ring made of a single red hair, tightly Uh. fitted on her fingers. Oh. Mm. And she can't get it off no matter what she tries. So she falls into a depression. Now there's two mopey ladies in the castle. Yep, so Queen and Princess are wandering around like, in fancy new night clothes. (laughs) Meanwhile, the, the circus is still going outside. But the dwarf is where? Not here. Just elsewhere. Still in that (laughs) shitty tree. He put a ring on it, shoved her in some lingerie, and magically sent her to her own bed. But tied the knot while she was unconscious. I guess so. Or it's a promise ring. So the men of the kingdom start begging the queen to just pick a husband for her daughter. Or to make her pick a husband. Uh, The princess has obviously lost a good shred of pride since being promised to... A terrible dwarf man who doesn't want to marry her and laughs at her when she's afraid of dying. Which is, I guess, yeah, it's not, fair. That's not, that's not a relationship built on mutual respect. <laughs> no. And she decides that the best option for getting rid of the yellow dwarf is to marry a very powerful king. So she looks at all the options. Someone with beefy guns. <laughs> can punch that little man to death. <laughs> <laughs> so she looks at all the options spread before her. And she chooses the king of the gold mines. This man's domain is all gold mines? Yes, he's the king of every gold mine. That seems to be an unequal distribution of wealth. Maybe that's how... Amongst the kingdoms. Maybe that's how the kingdoms are done. Like, there's the king of the gold mines, and the king of the wheat fields, and the king of the fishing ports. I'm the king of spoons! You have just (laughs) described Settlers of Catan. Okay, that's... Madame Delnois was a big fan of Settlers of Catan, and that's part of this fan fiction that she's writing. So the king of the gold mines is stoked and a little surprised that he was the chosen one. And all the other princes are bummed and angry. And they go home. Finally. 
And After a decade. <laughs> right. What was her selection process? His beefy guns. Yeah, he is the most powerful because he has all the gold mines. Okay. He punches the gold out of the mines himself. Sure. It's a, and it's cold and calculated. Sure. I hope it wasn't a decade because then she would have been five when this portrait was sent out and drove is these things. Is she still fifteen? She is still fifteen. Okay. This is the the fifteenth year when she is required by by fairy, by fairy tale law, fairy time law, to marry somebody <clears throat> or become a spinster, and then marry somebody. Right. Well, the preparations begin in full for the wedding. There's a ton of money spent on it. And the princess, in the process of planning for the wedding, truly begins to like this king that she selected for ulterior motives. Which is kind of the opposite of, I think, how regular wedding planning goes. Yeah. Because you're so stressed out that you're like, do I even want this? Do I even like you? But she decides that, yeah, this is the one for me. Do I like you this many dollars? (laughs) It's good enough. And so they, they grow very close and they're very happy together. The day of the wedding comes, everyone's thrilled, Madame Donois goes for like a page and a half describing all the pretty shit laid out for this wedding. Because this is fan fiction about her own life, and right. she's designing her dream wedding. Basically, it was like... Yeah, what I know about fan fiction is that they spend excruciating detail on how things look. <laughs> well, that is... <laughs> like clothing. True to form and, here. And surroundings. Because she described... 10 20 year old girls pinterest boards <laughs> in the course in of one shot of uh, writing about this wedding the wedding is in the process when suddenly it is interrupted by two great basilisks dragging behind them i object <laughs> right at right at that scene <laughs> it's very tender <laughs> Except instead of, like, the Shrek thing where he goes in yelling, it's just enormous snakes. Yeah, they're not saying anything. <laughs> Devouring they just They just walk in, dragging behind them a, a very badly made box. And behind the box strides in a very tall old woman whose ugliness is even more surprising than how old she is. <laughs> Sweet she... burn there, Madame Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> She's super ugly and also really old. So this is the Baron that lives next door. Yeah. The so Baron that lives next door. Like, this, I was thinking that this must be her, her neighbor, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> old and ugly. Her, her oldness was only surpassed by her ugliness. She's only friends with snakes. And she probably never trimmed her hedges. <laughs> and she can't make boxes, right? <laughs> she can't even make a box. Is this woman covered in sand? <laughs> sure. Probably. I'm just wondering if she's related to the desert in any way. Everybody knows that she's sleeping with her pool boy. <laughs> <laughs> so... This ugly-ass woman hobbles around the, the gallery where the wedding's being held three times, followed by the basilisks. So there she has strode in front of them. during this? <laughs> I guess just... just <laughs> watching this woman. Watching in horror. Do laps. <laughs> the, the king of the gold mines and uh, Bellissima are holding hands at the altar. The, the priest guy is arms up. Like, mouth open, (laughs) mid... Mid pronunciation. Right. Just now agape in horror. This... All the wedding attendants are frozen in fear. This is where he comes in, though. The Goldmine King. This is his end of the bargain, right? He's supposed to be powerful and be able to punch hard. (laughs) Which may or may not be... Uh, our invention, but... <laughs> he he punches with uh, brass knuckles made of pure gold. Those would be bad brass knuckles. They would but, suck. But he's supposed to defend her, right? Right. He's, he's protection. Well, instead, they're watching this ugly, ugly, <laughs> ugly, old, old, ugly, old woman... Wander around a gallery three times. <laughs> With snakes in a box. <laughs> Following just her. Just looking at stuff. Now when she's finished circling, vulture-like, she walks to the middle of the room and waves her crutch threateningly 
at the queen and the princess. Wordless. Ho, 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 queen. Ho, ho, princess. You think you get to break the promise you made to the yellow dwarf? I'm his lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) You've been served. I have his contract here. (laughs) (laughs) And then the rest. Here is a subpoena in this shitty box I made. (laughs) And the rest is an episode of Boston Legal. (laughs) (laughs) These are his attorneys. William Shatner and the other guy. Flotsam and Jetsam. <laughs> I am the fairy of the desert. Bum, bum, bum. Knew it. And this he... dusty old woman. Saved both your asses from my lions, who I left at home for some reason in exchange for these bastards. I'm sorry they got out of the gate. <laughs> I keep... That one's on me. <laughs> Keep meaning to shut that. <laughs> They're not supposed to. They're very smart. <laughs> They're really, really too smart for their own good. <laughs> the picture in my head of these lions just working a doorknob now. I got a picket fence. We're free! <laughs> so there's nothing I can do. I latch the gate. They figure it out. They dug a hole under it. You know, I've tried the electric fences. With skin as hard as turtle shells, what can you do? <laughs> they have two heads each. <laughs> and eight legs does a lot of just... digging. You should see my garden. <laughs> just like shockwave their way through it. <laughs> In fairyland, we don't suffer insults like this. You will marry him. Okay. We'll catch up next week with the thrilling conclusion to (laughs) The Yellow Dwarf. It's a cliffhanger and a half. What have we learned from Madame Delnoir so far? Like in my life? From this story from, in particular. Yeah, from this half of the story <sighs> in particular. Don't give your kid an inch. <laughs> You're not their friend. You're their parent. <laughs> and don't send pictures of your five to ten year old daughter. <laughs> this is this is a tale about the dangers of social media. Yeah, that's true. She <laughs> predicted that. And why you should not share pictures of your children. Yeah, I now understand the parents that don't put baby pictures up on Facebook. Yeah. So shit like this doesn't happen. <laughs> so entire so exactly kingdoms... this scenario doesn't happen. <laughs> so entire kingdoms don't get left without a governing body, and your daughter doesn't get spoiled so hard... That you have to wed her to a dwarf to humble her. This is like an allegory for Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, this is this is fairy tale Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> kind of. That probably works. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah, explain that. I'm sure she was dolled up like a pageant baby for probably that painting in her weird fairy outfit. Yeah, yeah. She. I forgot. I completely forgot about the damn costumes. Her two that... costumes. <laughs> With accessories in the form of human beings dressed as fairies to follow her around everywhere. Like, what kind of magic shit would that be as a kid? Like, you have a whole bunch of servants and they're just dressed as magical fairies whenever you go out. Skipping around. Tra-la-la. You're the prettiest. I'm sure it does wonders for the ego. Obviously, that's true. So in the past, Madame Delnois kind of ragged on royalty. Particularly kings. She just... She killed off the king responsible for this girl's birth. Just right off the bat. He doesn't even get a mention. Again, I'm going to say that he left. He realized what was was happening. You did not provide definitive evidence that this man perished. Just, (laughs) how does divorce work in a kingdom sense? Because I don't know that she inherits that kingdom. Uh, he... Is this their summer kingdom? Yeah, like, you said that there were... More than 20 kings nearby. Like, they're not, not short nece- on kingdoms. Not necessarily nearby. In this area. 20 kings who were able to stay sane for long enough to travel to... This is, this is like a housing development <laughs> full of kingdoms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these kingdoms are like 25 square feet. 
Yeah, they're. I mean, like they're they're nice enough, but they're mostly made from like the same floor plans. And... You can touch the kingdom next door. This, is, this like, is this is San Francisco as kingdoms. This, this is, is the uh, the development by that one magician. This is what's going on when with, he's not there with the wax bells. Like after he was killed, <clears throat> everyone moved Everybody into moved that in. <laughs> subdivision of kingdoms. Uh-huh. So what's this worst? game do you think i don't i have no idea because he's almost rumpelstiltskin-y yeah he he asks for this daughter to marry him then just turns around and says he doesn't doesn't really want her but clearly he wants her for something because he's willing to enforce this promise that was made by means of basilisks and desert fairy. Yeah, but I, I feel like it has to be something beyond just the marriage, like just beyond having a wife. Also, why does he live in another dimension? A house accessible via, via orange tree. tree. I, mean, I guess if <clears throat> via secret tree door. Real estate's cheap there. Like he lives in Halloween Town. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just him. <laughs> I don't know what he's after. And I don't know what this desert fairy gets out of it by maybe showing she... up as his legal counsel. Yeah, maybe she is a lawyer and he hired her. Maybe that's why everyone's seeking her advice. It's just legal consultation? Yeah, like how do I legally force my daughter to marry a king? <laughs> and how do I legally make my mom happy? And also what about this marriage thing? There are too many factors <laughs> at play already. <laughs> why is he in a raincoat? <laughs> With wooden shoes. Yeah. Where'd the ring come from? The dwarf? <laughs> he just, like, keeps hair <laughs> is, it, uh... is it a pube? Oh. <laughs> Has to be considered. Oh. Uh, it's oh. all... He just keeps everything well-maintained, except, <laughs> except his, his zone down there. <laughs> uh, I guess a pube would make a pretty tight ring. No, you don't, it wouldn't. Not not like tight as in cool. I mean, tight as in physically tight because you can't get it off. Ew, no, I don't like that. I don't, I don't either. You can't have a dwarf pube ring. <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think that's legally binding. If you walk into any any church, any establishment, again, I don't think this is a wedding ring. Because she hasn't married him yet. <laughs> the, the That's fairy, a promise. Right? The fairy of the marking desert. Marking her for later. Yeah, the fairy of the desert has not said you're committing bigamy. You're already married. She's like you're already promised to him. You have to marry so him. So it's a BFF ring. It was a promise ring, or the dwarf equivalent to peeing on something to say that he owns it. <laughs> it's marked his <laughs> creepy territory. <laughs> he does tell her mother that. He, even though he doesn't want her and is only taking her out of charity, that the queen had better remember that she now belongs to him. But why? <laughs> queen was depressed when she got back with her nightcap. Yes. Why? Uh, I mean, I guess she's not very smart, so I can see why it didn't occur. But she should have just had someone go chop that goddamn tree down <laughs> and be done with it. Like, I don't want this on my property anymore. It's got a skeevy little man in it. <laughs> I mean, it could it could be a bit of a farther walk than her mailbox. <laughs> it doesn't say how long she walked, just that it was farther than she was used to. <laughs> so it's probably like a midway point, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's like... close enough. It's within lion range of the desert fairy. Right. Because they're just in cahoots, <laughs> clearly. Clearly, I they think, have a plan together. I think it's fairly obvious that this dwarf also stole both cakes. Yeah, probably. So, like, he engineered the danger. Mm-hmm. He's a jerk. And is taking advantage of them. It's, it has to be more than just this this spoiled kid to marry. He's I, I mean, Maybe <clears throat> he wants the kingdom. Maybe. Although, he lives in another... Oh, the oranges. He lives in another dimension. Like, maybe he can just have whatever kingdom he wants in maybe. Orange Tree Land. Did you recognize any other fairy tales in this one? In this portion of it? Mm-hmm. Is there a couple? Um, no. 
I mean, it's kind of... I got like a Rumpelstiltskin-y vibe. We already pointed out the similarity to Golden Roof. Right. A portrait driving kings to madness. Yeah. From Golden um, Roof, we have a dwarf helping a queen slash princess out of a situation. Like, basically, a queen out of a situation in exchange for her daughter, which is Rumpelstiltskin. Sure. And we have a very strong occurrence of King Thrushbeard. King Thrushbeard is about a spoiled princess who believes herself too good for anyone, who is given a choice of many kings to marry, makes fun of each of them in turn. Um, she gets to one that she kind of actually likes, but she's you know she's already started on this train. She can't be real embarrassing to say, oh, okay, this one's not too bad. So she just makes fun of his hair, calling him King Thrushbeard. And her father's so disgusted that he'll give her to the next man who walks through the door after all these kings leave. And so You've chosen the roulette option. <laughs> right. And so this uh, this beggar man comes by and king says, congratulations, you have earned yourself a daughter. And so they get married and the once proud princess has to live in a hovel and do a bunch of work mm. and gets humbled sure. by this process. So we have a very heavy borrowing from the King Thrushbeard story. Sure. Makes sense. That's the um, most prominent one with hints of Golden Roof and Rumpelstiltskin. Do we have another one? We have a Desert Witch. Okay. Ocarina of Time. <laughs> so, um, that's where we're starting. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Donald's favorite. <laughs> she loved that movie, that TV series. She didn't <clears throat> read the books, though. Battlestar Galactica. Who is the dwarf, really? He might be a Cylon. He might be Doctor Who. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what his purpose is. Yeah, he's, he's Scott Bakula. We're, we're on to Stephen Moffat. We know what's going on. He he quantum leaped to solve this princess's problems. <laughs> I have a hard time believing that Scott Bakula could be that much of a jerk to anybody. <laughs> To steal their cake, threaten them with lion death, and then extort a princess out of them. Yeah. And then not want that princess anyway, and just make sure that she knows it. He's basically negging. <laughs> <laughs> like, this whole time, he's negging this princess. Maybe that's what he's the king of. The dwarf is the king, king of... negging? <laughs> yeah. Like, we had the king of gold mines, and we had the king of, like, <laughs> wheat threshing... And the king of the circus. <laughs> and the king of negging. He leads, like, two to seven subreddits. Yeah. Instead of, um... So he's, like, a moderator? <clears throat> yeah. It's a good pull for a husband. <laughs> Instead of wearing the, the yellow jacket, I'm gonna imagine that he's just dressed up like the pickup artist. Well, that sounds like a good note to end this on. Yeah, we've made a lot of progress tonight. So, well, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> we'll catch the rest of this story next week, and maybe we'll answer some of these questions. No, well, we probably won't. not. No, no we uh -uh. won't. There's just going to be more. Happily ever after. This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have any feedback for us, you can leave it either by Gmail or Facebook. Our Gmail account is wtfolklore at gmail.com, and our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com slash WT Folklore. Feel free to send in stories if you have any particularly odd pieces of folklore or mythology that you would like to hear us talk about. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales.